Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. I'm Tim Blevins, lead pastor, and I'm honored you have come to join us. To experience our full service or for more information, check out the links in the description. I hope this message ministers to you and helps you find life in Jesus. The best is still to come. Can I get an amen, church? Hey, welcome. We're so glad you're with us. Happy New Year's Eve. Welcome to any guests that are with us. I know that other churches in town made a decision to rest and and God bless them for that. But if you came from one of those churches, we just want to say welcome to our church family for the day. And so you can go back refreshed, but we're so glad you're with us today. Can our church members give a good clap to the guests that are with us today? Well, welcome. We're glad you're with us. I want to just kind of jump right in for a moment because I feel like gathering in church today has significance because it's the very last Sunday of the year, but not only the last Sunday, the last day of the year. Like this is day 365, like we're at the end of the year and I don't know what your year looked like. Um, I don't know if your days were like most people with some great joys and also some heartaches I know many who have gone through much in the last season. Personally, I have felt the pressures of life, and I've also enjoyed the victories as well. But I can say that in the good days and the difficult days, that through it all, God has been faithful to us. The fact that you're here today says that God has been with you. The fact that you're still standing and you're still worshiping and you are still in God's presence here in church today says that in some way God has been with you and has sustained you, has carried you, has lifted you, and has brought you to today. Amen? There's a story in the New Testament about 10 men who were sick with leprosy and they went to Jesus to asked for healing, and Jesus touched them. And they all left except for one, and one returned with gratitude to say, thank you, I appreciate you, I'm thankful, Jesus, for what you have done in my life. And I feel like as we are on this last day of the year, that as a church body, and by the way, if you're from another church, we're part of the big body today, so we're one big church today. But I feel like in our church today, on this last day, we need to recognize that God has been faithful to us all the way to the end of 2023. And I want to end with gratitude and I want to end with praise on our lips. I want to be like that one that stopped and returned and gave Jesus all the praise that he deserves. So if Jesus has been faithful to you this year in any capacity, I want you, I want myself, all of us just to stand to our feet for just a moment and give Jesus praise for carrying us through this season. If he has healed you, give him praise. If he has lifted you up in some way, give him praise. If he has guided you, give him praise. If he has protected you, give him praise. If he has helped you stand through the difficult days, give him praise. If he has given you days to celebrate, then give him praise in the house today. Let's give him great praise for a moment. Amen, church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And while we're standing, 
let's just clean the slate before we go into 2024. Let's take this moment on this last day to to close the chapter on some things of 2023. Let's let's make a decision to, to not carry some things into 2024 that we don't need to take with us. Let's make a decision to let go of offenses that we're carrying because that won't help you in 2024. Let's just release to the Lord our mistakes and failures and give it to God. Let's receive forgiveness in this moment for those things that we have failed. And let's forgive others who have hurt us in this moment. Let's just not take it with us. And let's take a moment and invite God to refresh our hearts and and to give us fresh hope and vision for 2024. And so I'm going to lead us in a prayer and I'm just going to kind of pray it and give you moments in that prayer to pray. And so just let's just take this in a holy moment on day 365 to clean the slate and declare what's ahead. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for being faithful to us in 2023. And if he's been faithful to you, would you just say thank you for being faithful to me? Use your voice. And now would you just say, God, I repent of anything that was sinful and offensive to you. I I don't want to take that with me. I'm so sorry, Lord. And then would you say this, I forgive those who have hurt me. Uh, You got to say that. I forgive those who have hurt me. I let go of bitterness. I release all of my regrets and mistakes. And God, I ask that you would refresh my heart, renew my hope, and give me fresh vision for 2024. And now would you say this with me? I declare by faith the old is gone and 2024 will be blessed. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen, amen. And now, high five somebody next to you before you have a seat. Happy New Year, happy New Year. What a day. We're in church on the last Sunday, on the last day of the year. I love it. I'm proud of you for coming out today. And I believe God has a word for you today. I believe the the message is going to, one, kind of speak to where you are today, but give us a little bit of a a vision and what's ahead for 2024. My sermon title somewhat gives it away, but probably not in the exact way you might anticipate, but the sermon title is The Best Till Last, The Best Till Last. I'm always inspired by the, the statement that the best is still to come. I love that, and I believe that, I want that, and I stand on that forever and ever. So I want to take this story, though, and and shape us to understand what that best looks like for us for this year, this coming year. So in the book of John, I want to read about a time when Jesus was at a wedding and he turned water into wine. I'm going to read 11 verses, so hang with me. So it says, on the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, wow, Jesus' mother said to Jesus, she said to him, they have no more wine. Woman? Yeah, that's, you chuckle quietly, men. 
Why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. That's probably good advice from every mom to every son. Do whatever Jesus tells you, amen? Verse six says, nearby stood six stone waters of jars, or sorry, stone water jars, the kind used for Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding about 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them with to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some of that out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water and that had been turned to wine and he didn't realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bride aside, I mean the bridegroom aside, and, and he said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. So he's saying after they get a little tipsy, then you can bring out the cheap wine, you know? But he says, you have, and this is where my sermon's coming from, have saved the best till now or last. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. So I want to give just some highlights of understanding that story. And then after that, I'll share what I believe the Lord is saying to us for this year, this coming year. And so first of all, we see in this story that this is the first miracle of Jesus's public ministry. He wasn't known yet to be the son of God. He hadn't preached any sermons yet. He had, he had as a, a boy, been in the temple and had, had discussed spiritual matters and things of theology with them, but, but they hadn't seen a miracle. And so they, they, he probably wasn't famous yet. He was probably invited as a friend of the family in some way. And so Jesus and his disciples were at this wedding. The story does not mention Jesus' father, Joseph, so it is presumed that he had already passed on to be with the Lord. Jesus' mother was there. Her name was Mary. She was invited to the wedding. There's a good chance that she was actually helping serve or direct the wedding because she was the one that noticed that the wine was out, and she was the one that gave instructions to the servants. And so she probably had some kind of a role in this wedding, the, the programming of it. But it says in verse 3, and I'll remind you, it says that when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Now, in the first century, this must have been a pretty big deal to run out of wine. So it must have been an embarrassment to the family, to the bride and the groom, and, and it became an issue at that wedding. Potentially, maybe Mary was responsible for making sure there was enough wine and, and they had run out. And so she makes this statement to Jesus. She says they have no more wine. Now, she didn't say to Jesus, go fix it in some way. She didn't say, go multiply something. She didn't say, go turn the water into wine and do your thing, Jesus. She didn't say anything like that. She, she did this thing that moms and wives do sometimes. And it really confuses us guys and we get in trouble with this. And so ladies, I, sometimes you make a statement, but you don't say what you really mean. Now I'm treading on thin water here. I understand that, but I'm gonna help some men out for just a moment because 
She did something that I've heard my wife say from time to time, and every husband in here has probably heard it, but they'll say something like, the trash is overflowing. Well, us not-so-enlightened men will sometimes go, yeah. (laughs) And then we're in trouble, and we're like, we don't know why. So ladies, first of all, just go ahead and say what you mean. Instead of saying the trash is overflowing, go ahead and say, would you get off the couch, quit watching the ball game for just a minute and take this trash out to the trash so I can finish doing the dishes. If you just say it like that, we would do better, wouldn't we, Streeter? I'm helping us. I'm helping us. Listen, if you're a, a, you know, a child and you're living at home and, and your mom says to you, Your room is messy. Let me tell you what she really means. She means clean it up now, right? I'm helping. This is good practical teaching. Eli, if Amanda says to you, my car is dirty and out of gas, let me just tell you, son, what she's trying to say. She's trying to say, would you take the car and clean it up and put some gas in it? So that's just side tips for all of it. Jesus heard that same language. She said, Jesus, they're out of wine. Jesus says, woman, here's the next tip for you men. Do not do that. Only Jesus can do that, all right? You are not Jesus. You said, dear, my beloved, you look beautiful today. In that culture, it was not uncommon for them to refer in a respectful way to say woman. So Jesus wasn't being disrespectful. And so she said to him, hey, we're out of wine. And and I don't know if she was meaning for Jesus to to do a miracle. She may have been like, hey, you got 12 buddies here with you? Would y'all go to the next town and get some wine and bring it back? I don't know what she was meaning, But here's what happened at that moment. The Bible says in verse six and seven that nearby stood six stone water jars, six of them. The kind that was used for for juice, for ceremonial washing, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water so they filled them to the brim. And so for just a second for fun, let's do a little math. Six jars of 20 to 30 gallons was now 120 to 180 gallons of wine. Now that's a lot of wine. I don't know how big that party was, but I feel like there's something to that whole thing. Let me say it like this. I believe the miracle is not only about the water being turned into wine, but it's also about the quality and the quantity of the wine. And so when the wine was presented to the wedding coordinator and he made this statement to the groom, he said, everyone brings out choice wine, first then the cheaper wine and then the guests have had too much drink and then you save the best till now. And so Jesus brought, changed, transformed the best in that particular moment. And so I believe this about the story and some things that you should know first is that when you hear this story and you read through the New Testament, and you see wine in the New Testament, often it is symbolic of Jesus' blood and the Holy Spirit. So as an example, we, we understand when we take communion on Sundays and 
when we go to these tables and there's a little cup there and it's got some bread and it's got some juice or wine in it. We don't serve the wine, but it's biblical to serve a little wine with it. And we know that the bread represents Jesus' body and the wine represents the blood of Jesus that was the sacrifice that was made for us so that we can be saved. So when you take communion, you are remembering his body and his blood that was shed for us so that we have a brand new life through Jesus Christ. And so when you think of that, I want you to understand in this story, when he fills these jars with wine, there's a symbolic meaning to this. And I want you to consider the empty wine jars that were there as well. So there were six jars for washing, but there were also wine vessels that were there and Jesus did not refill those wine vessels. For some reason, he chose to fill the water vessels, the water containers. And there was a reason for that. There's a reason he chose those six 20 to 30 gallons of water to turn that into the wine. And, and the reason is, is that in that particular time especially, but not unlike today, the Jews look at ceremonial washing as part of their worship for God. And they put a high priority on this outward external cleanliness. And so before they would go worship God at the temple, they would wash their hands, they would wash their face, they would wash their feet because they were trying to prepare themselves externally to approach God. And so it was one of the rituals they had. Probably at this wedding, it was in some way a part of the ceremony of this external washing to prepare them for their wedding. Jesus chose these pots to fill with the miracle of the wine. And this was not coincidental. His first miracle reveals that cleansing on the outside isn't righteousness after Jesus Christ. He came to change the way to God. That before Jesus, people followed the law. But now Jesus is demonstrating in this miracle that he is filling these washing pots that were for external cleansing. And he's saying that the way to the Father is by the washing of our hearts today. It's on the inside. It's by the blood of Jesus that was sacrificed for us on the cross. We need the cleansing of our heart. It's only possible through Jesus Christ. So he filled these washing pots, the inside with wine that represented his spirit inside. And here's the point I wanna make about that, that acting good isn't good enough. So many people believe that they've gotta clean up their life before they come to God. And I want you to know that we come to God in our brokenness. We come to God in our woundedness. We come to God in our, our pains, in the, the, the places of our life where we don't feel good about how we're living. Because it's not about us trying to please God externally. It's when we surrender our life to Jesus Christ, he comes and fills us with his presence and his spirit inside of us, and he renews us from the inside out. Oh, he'll work on how we live our life. He'll get to it, but it starts with an inside cleaning of our life. Amen? It's a miracle of transformation of these water pots for external cleansing to internal washing of the Lord. 
And only through Jesus Christ can anyone be saved. Only through Jesus Christ can we have our sins washed away. Only through Jesus can we have our guilt and our shame removed as far as from the east as from the west. It's the mission of Jesus to save people. His first miracle, like this is him revealing, this is what my life is all about. I'm here to, to reach the lost. I'm here to heal the brokenhearted. I'm here to heal the, the sick and the infirmed. I'm here to, to make a difference in a spiritual kingdom of God here on earth. That was his first step, his first miracle to demonstrate his mission on earth. And I am believing that as we think about 2024, that as the church body, we have to partner with what Jesus is all about. And I am believing and praying for an extraordinary move of God in reaching the lost and filling people with the Holy Spirit in 2024. Amen? Amen. Amen. Go ahead and clap for it. We want to see God move. That's the, that's the mission. That's the, the plan of God. And so in the story, it goes on to say that the wine had been transformed. I mean, the water had been transformed into wine. And the, the master of ceremony says to the groom, he's like, you saved the best till last. And, and so if you're taking notes, I believe that God chooses in his kingdom to save the best till last. There's a kingdom principle there. Now, is, is this verse prophetic saying that the best is last, meaning like next year is going to be the best year of your life? Well, I hope that's true, but that's not what this means. It's not about you having your best year now. Here's the point that Jesus is making because he's using this, this miracle to, to demonstrate some significant spiritual things. And so here's the first that, or the second of this is, is that for people who do not know Jesus in a personal way, this life is as good as it gets. If you don't know Jesus, this is the best it is. If you know Jesus in a personal way, then this life is the worst that it gets because the best is still to come when you transition from this life to the next. I'm talking about eternity. The best is still to come. So this miracle that Jesus performed reveals God's heart in that he wants to save the lost and he wants to demonstrate the purpose of that is so our sins can be forgiven and we can have eternity with the Lord forever. And I share that with you to say that this life we're in is temporary. As bad as it may get, it's temporary. This is the, the temporary, the short part of our existence. The next life is eternal if you know Jesus Christ. And with that in mind, if this is the, the temporary, this is the short life, then we need to make decisions now that impact eternity in our life and other people's lives. Like we should live in a way with with heaven in mind. We should live in a way that we want to make a difference with our life now. Life is short, life is temporary, life is difficult now, so let's do something with our life that will give us an opportunity to worship him forever, but take people with us. Like there are people in your life 
that do not, do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior yet. And this life is the best it gets for them. That's a sobering thought. So I believe the mission that we are given in this story is that the best is to last and we are to help reach people. We are his mission to reach those on the mission field and that mission field is in your family, it's at your school, it's in your work, it's, it's wherever you go, you shop, where you work out, that's your mission field and you are called to make a difference with your life so that they don't live a life that this is as good as it gets because the best is still to come. Amen? Thank you. So listen, I want to worship God now so I can worship him forever. I choose that now. I want to serve God now. I want, listen, people are serving in our kids' ministries and they're serving now. They're sacrificing something now so someone can come in and hear the message of Jesus Christ and they can have eternity. When you sow your, your, your finances into the church, you're not just helping today, but you're helping someone for eternity. Like this makes a difference how we live our life now. So this is our opportunity to make a difference while we are on this earth so that we can make a difference for others. Amen? Amen. The thought that Jesus was performing this miracle at a wedding banquet, again, not a coincidence. This is the first miracle that Jesus performed and he was at a wedding. And the last mention of a wedding is in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. And it says this, it says, let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the lamb and his bride has prepared herself. And so in that moment here in this verse, the final wedding banquet is set for all of those who believe in Jesus Christ and we will be united with Jesus forever and ever, amen. That's the final wedding feast. So he's having this miracle at a wedding and he's pointing people to the final, helping people look ahead to what's ahead. In the book of Revelation chapter 19, nine, it says, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And so those who know Jesus as their Lord and Savior are invited to the greatest wedding feast ever prepared and Jesus is at the head of the table and all of us are invited through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Can you give him praise for that? Well, I want to finish today's message with a, a look at 2024. Just looking ahead. I would say in some ways prophetically, in some ways just as an observation, some of it isn't real hard to figure out what's coming ahead. But when you think about the, the setting that the best is still to come and that's a, a, a place of, of heaven, that's eternity, which means we still on this earth live under the effects of sin and the presence of evil. Which means that only in heaven there will be no more tears and only in heaven will be no more weeping and no more sickness and no more difficulties. But on earth, we're gonna experience some of the good days and some of the evil days. 
you can't get away from it. When I was praying into this message, I came across this uh, from Charles Dickens who wrote in the novel, The Tale of Two Cities, and he wrote it like this. He said, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief and it was the epic of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope and it was the winter of despair. So I, I declare to you that in 2024, you're gonna experience some really good moments and you're also gonna experience the difficulties that come with this life. And I don't wanna stand up here on this day before we head into 2024 and, and fill your ears and tickle your ears with how great it's gonna be, amen, it's gonna be the best year ever. And then something happens and you go, well, you didn't tell us that. So I wanna be a pastor that, that tells you the, the full story. So first of all, I want you to know there are gonna be some great days. Let's start with something great. It's gonna be great next year, some of it. Some of it's gonna be great. We know that God does great things. We know that. He is faithful. Listen, we, we stood, we praise God for his faithfulness in 2023 because he is faithful. He's that good, right? Even the Bible teaches us in Ephesians, it says that now all glory to God who is able, God is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. In other words, he can blow our mind with all he can do next year. He's gonna do things that are so beautiful, so powerful, so great next year that you're gonna say all glory to God, amen? 2024 is gonna be some wonderful moments. There'll be graduations next year. That'll be a celebration. There'll be homes that are built and homes that are purchased next year. Praise God. There'll be some that get new jobs and get raises and some that birth new businesses next year. Praise God, good days. People will get married and there'll be babies born and that'll be fantastic. There'll be miracles where we hear the stories of God healing people supernaturally and people being delivered. I believe God will deliver people supernaturally from addictions and, and things that hold them back. I believe that next year there'll be loved ones in your life that, that don't know the Lord will come to know Jesus next year. I believe there'll be new friendships that are developed in your life and old ones that are strengthened. And I believe God will give fresh new dreams and fresh new visions to people. I believe that in 2024, God will be faithful and he will bless his people. Can I get an amen? Amen, amen. I believe that. But also we need to be aware of coming difficulties, potential difficulties. And so, like I said, I don't know if this is as prophetic as it is, it's just understanding that our world is going through a shaking. And we need to just be aware so that we know how to live in 2024. Currently in our world, we have a major war in Ukraine and in Israel. We know that China is infiltrating our youth through an app like TikTok, did you know that there was a survey done recently that asked a question to the youth and they asked if they thought that if bin Laden was a force for good and 36% of the students to say, said yes, they think he was a, a force for good. 
And the reason they think that is they are being indoctrinated by social media and it's being implanted in minds and they don't know the truth and so they just believe what they see. Thank you, China. China controls critical economic sectors in our nation. They control vital needs such as the production of prescription medications. We know Iran has accelerated its production of uranium-enriched weapons of mass destruction, and they chant every day, death to America. We know our border is open to both well-meaning immigrants and those who come with a plan of terrorism. They're here. Our nation is polarized on core values. And what the Bible says about division, it says that every house divided will fall. So we're, we're teetering on significant division. We're entering an election year in 2024. I don't need to tell you what that stirs up in a country. The economy is teetering. Recession is still growing. New variants of COVID are spreading. Are y'all depressed yet? That's not my point. I just want to be truthful. I don't want you to go into 2024 with your eyes closed. But I do have a, a solution for you. I do have a way for us to live. Because there's going to be really good days and, and undoubtedly we're going to feel the effects of a, a shaking nation and evil in our world. And, and so when I was thinking about all that to, as I was writing this and how we live in 2024, I'm thinking about that, that 120 to 100 gallons of wine. Not like that's your way out. <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't mean that. We're just going to drink it away. Woo. <laughs> I'm thinking there's a miracle that was in the quantity of his presence. You see, that's what was in those vessels was the presence of the Holy Spirit. And, and he chose many gallons. He, did, he didn't choose what was just necessary for that particular wedding. He went ahead and made a statement. The Bible says that they filled the jars, that 120 or 180 gallons of wine to the brim. And I believe that you can have your best year ever if you have your best spiritual year ever. Listen, the world is gonna go crazy. It's gonna happen. And you're gonna need more of Jesus next year than you had him in 2023. All right, you're gonna, you're gonna need quantity with the quality. The quality is there. Jesus is pure. He's amazing. He saves. He transforms us from the inside out. But I'm gonna tell you that a little dab will do you won't do you next year. You're gonna need to saturate yourself in the presence of the Holy Spirit. You're gonna need to fill your life to the brim with the Holy Spirit. That's my point, by the way. Fill your life to the brim with the Holy Spirit. Listen, if you want to, to walk through this new year and you want the, the presence and the power of God to be inside of you, because when things go crazy out there, you need to have a peace inside here. Listen, you can live victorious on the inside when chaos is on the outside. Listen, you can learn by the power and the presence of God to love people that think and act different and have different values than you. But that's gonna take the Holy Spirit, amen? Listen, you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. But you're definitely gonna need the Holy Spirit next year when the world 
still teeters under the dominion of evil. And you're gonna need to know that the presence of the Holy Spirit is strong in your life. I'll read to you Ephesians 5, and it says it like this. Be careful how you live. I think it's a great statement, church. Be careful how you live. In other words, pay attention to what is being said here. This is, this is vital to your life. Don't live like a fool. You know how a fool lives? With their head in the sand. A fool lives like I have no awareness of what's going on. What we got? Blue alert. Let's pray. Father, we pray right now in Jesus' name. We pray for whatever is happening that is creating this need for a blue alert. And God, we pray for, stand with the men in blue, Father. And God, I pray that you protect them and give them wisdom. And God, if there is some type of evil against them now, God, I ask that you would bring them to swift justice and you would create peace in that moment, Father. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Interesting timing. As we talk about don't be fools to what's going on in our culture. Don't be unaware. But it says to be wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. What is your opportunity? It's to reach people. It's to take people to heaven with you. Let's make the most of these opportunities. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. I'm here to help you. Verse 18 says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, what? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with his Spirit. The answer to wisdom, the answer to get through 2024 is to be filled with his spirit and his presence and his power to help you walk through every situation that comes. You will not get through the depths of pain, the heartaches that come without his presence in your life. I've talked to people who have lost loved ones and the only comfort they have is not from what's happening outside of them, but only from what the Holy Spirit does inside of them. So it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. In other words, go to church and, and worship and make music to the Lord in your hearts and, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I believe it's important for our church body to fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit in a significant quantity way. Matter of fact, it, the, that verse actually means to be continually filled by the Holy Spirit. It's not just a one-time thing. You need to be filled every day. You need to be filled every Sunday. We need His Spirit, His presence in our life. And that's the story that we're learning here about this miracle that He transformed water into his presence and he said I've come to give people life that's what he came to fill people with his presence and he said I need you all to be on the mission make the most of these opportunities in order to do that you need his presence to carry you to empower you and I want to pray for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit today and I want to just let you know that next week, 
when you come to church, we're going to kick off the new year with a, a 21 days of fasting and praying and, and worshiping the Lord. We're going we're gonna to go a little deeper in January in our walk with the, the Lord. And if you've never been in a church-wide fast, and you're going to really be intrigued and you're going to be inspired and you're going to draw closer to Jesus than you have in any other time. It's really a powerful season. This is a season that we're setting aside as a church to, to seek God in a deeper, to, in, a, in a, a way to be filled to that brim. We want to get all the quantity that we can have because I believe that the, the, the thing that we do now sets us up for the year. And so next week you come, I'll, I'll preach about it, I'll teach you on it next week. And so church, let's take a moment though and, and be filled with his spirit. We have stood to, to thank God and we've, we've kind of cleaned the slate. But now I want to fill. I want the filling of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so I'm going to invite you. Would you stand to your feet? And if you want to be filled with the Spirit, and I, I don't even want to get into all the theology today, you just need to know that that's the heart of Jesus, to fill vessels. Fill vessels. You're a vessel he wants to fill today. And so if you want to be filled with his Spirit, would you just lift your hands to him in this moment? And Father, I thank you for every person that's here. Lord, our hands are up to you. And God, on day 365 of 2023, God, we ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, not just a little bit, but fill us to the brim. Lord, saturate us, drench us in your Spirit. God, we want to drink of the new wine, the, the wine of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to be drunk on natural wine. We want to be filled with the new wine of the Holy Spirit in our life, God. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd fill us right now in Jesus' name. Amen, church. Amen, amen. We just give Jesus a clap. Potentially, there are people here today that have never, though, received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The purpose of Jesus coming to earth and, and living and dying and being resurrected back to life was to point people to the Father, but in his death, he paid for the sins of humanity. He paid for the sins of, of your life. We make a decision, though, to receive that forgiveness. You make a decision to to follow him and make that decision to, to be renewed on the inside. And if you came in today and your vessel is clean or dirty, it doesn't even matter. What matters is that he washes you on the inside. And Jesus wants to wash your heart today, wash the sins away. So would you bow your heads? If you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, and have your sins forgiven. Would you just lift your hand up to me real, real high? Just be bold about it. Just lift your hand up. I want to see. Thank you, Lord. Let's all say this prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. 
He came to earth. He lived. He died. He was resurrected back to life. I believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Would you forgive my sins and renew my heart? I choose today to live for Jesus. And now would you fill me with your spirit in Jesus' name, amen. amen. One more good clap for Jesus. <laughs> Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So good. Well, if you're new to us, we close out our service each week with, with prayer, with communion, and with worship. So we have these communion tables. There's one in this corner and two in the back. And when the song starts again, you can leave your seat and go to those tables and, and get communion. There's a little cup and there's a little bread and a little juice. And you remember that the bread represents his body that was broken for you. The juice represents the blood of Jesus that was shed for us, the sacrifice of your sins. That's how you come to know Jesus. And you take that moment, you say, thank you for my salvation. It's a great moment. There's gonna be people, if our prayer leaders go ahead and come up. And if you have anything in your life that you're like, I need some prayer, big or small, don't miss your moment to come let these people pray with you. And so we're gonna take the next five minutes and we're just gonna pray, take communion, and then you gather back at your seats and let's just close out with worship. Church, I love you. Thanks for coming today. It's gonna to be a great 2024 because we're gonna have our hearts set on Jesus this year. I love you, church. You're free to go get communion and come get prayer and worship.